it can go a long way to ask, how can I make this day work for you? Whether that's making it less hard or making it more great. (laughs) So that's another suggestion I have. I really do think that works in all families. It just becomes extra important in a blend because for us, like our anniversary, we call it the family-versary because we want to be clear to our kids. We didn't just become a couple in a new way that day. We became a family. So when that time rolls around, we try as much as possible to celebrate as a group and let them feel in on that party. It's also why they were our wedding party. We did not have bridesmaids. We did not have groomsmen. We had our children stand up with us. And I think that was really powerful and set a great tone. That being said, all five of our kids still cried on our wedding day. And that's hard. And that's a real thing that happened. So we have to, we have to be respectful. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Well, hi, FFPs, future-focused parents. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. If it sounds like I'm giggling, I am. Dina and I had a bear of a time getting the recording to start today. It is. We use this platform so that we can both record at the same time, and it it's sometimes it just doesn't want to go to work, right? Sometimes exactly. It, it's like, oh, I've had a long night. I'm not up for recording today, and it really was a doozy. So We are here and we are excited to be with you for another episode and for this really giant topic with so many facets um, that we want to talk about today, but that I think I'm sure you'll agree, Dina, is not just important as a future-focused parent, as a parent in general. I know for your family as a blended family, but it's also super important just in the context of the pandemic and what we're living in and thinking forward to the milestones that are going to re-trigger grief and our experiences and how as parents, we have such a responsibility to have an awareness of that as we watch our children feel feelings, right? Yes. And I love that you said this before we hopped on, but this is actually paramount to being future focused. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be future focused parents, we have to think about things like someday in the future, you might take your child to the doctor and the doctor is wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And what is that going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that I think this pandemic will leave as residue, and we have to think about that. But in addition, why I think today's topic is important, of course, I'm always excited to get to share the dynamics of how you might look at this if you have a unique family situation, because I'm living that. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's easy to think of milestones in kind of two categories. We think of like baby milestones, like when will my baby crawl? (laughs) And when will he say his first word? And when will she tie her shoes? But also milestones like graduations and birthdays and weddings, and they seem really happy. But if you've experienced any kind of loss or large transition, or you have a unique family dynamic, milestones can really be fertile ground for bringing up a lot of feelings that we thought maybe we'd healed or moved past in some way. And it just brings those things back to the surface. And so I'm really thankful that we're talking about this today. Yeah, that is so well said. I love how you put that. And it's so true. And I think as parents, if we can be aware of that and be aware of what we're seeing our children experience, we can help them learn how to start to see that for themselves as they grow into their own adulthood. Because I know for me, sometimes I have to kind of go, 
going on for me? And then I'll like look at the calendar. Like May is a great example. My mom died May 27th. Mother's Day is in early May. And we come into May and I sometimes kind of forget because it's been a while. And I'm like, gosh, why am I so grumpy? (laughs) You know, like, why am I having trouble getting out of bed this month? That's so unlike me. And then I look at the calendar. I'm like, oh, it's May. Well, that makes sense, right? So it's that. It's like helping our children also be able to then navigate this as they get older to understand themselves, the looking inward piece that you and I talk about all the time, so they can make sure they have healthy coping mechanisms and they're processing those feelings and not shaming themselves for experiencing grief again, right? Or experiencing the feeling of being triggered. That's so perfectly said, because this also helps us as future-focused parents teach them to be future-focused, even to watch what might be coming down the pipeline for me. How can I be kind to myself? How can I prepare myself for what might be coming or what might be a time of difficult feelings? And I've actually found sometimes in more recent years, I don't know if this means I'm getting good at it or what it exactly indicates, but sometimes I actually find the anticipatory grief is worse. Yes. Because I know it's coming and I'm trying to do a good job preparing, I'm maybe so future focused that I'm worried it's going to be worse than it is. And then the lead up is what's hard. And the actual day, I'm like, oh, I'm actually okay. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I appreciate that I've learned to have the foresight to prep for those days that might be hard. And it's actually a relief when the actual day comes and it's not so terrible. Well, and you have to ask yourself, is it not so terrible because you've been future focused and done the work necessary to get to that day in a way that's healthy? I would argue probably yes. I would say so too. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said for for the whole conversation that we're going to have today. So do you want to share your why? And I'd love, I mean, for me, I have a why for myself and a why for my kids. I don't know if you do, but I'd be curious, especially because you've got the blend. Mm. (laughs) There's a lot of moving parts there. So you just, you just do why however you want to do why today. (laughs) Well, my why unsurprisingly is based in my unique family dynamic as a blended family. I've always really liked milestones myself, and I have been fortunate that until early adulthood, at least, I hadn't experienced a lot of loss. So there weren't really like days on the calendar that were challenging or things like that. But when I got remarried, what I noticed, even without training, and I've since had some training on this, is that days that seemed really happy for me and Scott were quite the opposite for our children. Mm. And I started to notice that disconnect and want to understand it better. And once I got some training about this and learned some of the data and research, what I found is essentially what we're talking about today, that each milestone for them is that reminder. Oh, my parents aren't together anymore. Mm -hmm. Or say perhaps you're a family where there's been a loss of a parent. There's a reminder that mom isn't here anymore or dad isn't here anymore. And that's very different than the celebratory nature of something like a wedding or an anniversary for Scott and I. And once I learned that, my why really became sensitivity. I want to be sensitive to what everyone is feeling, not just two of the seven people in our family. And so this really led me to handle these milestones differently, to have different conversations around them, and to be 
just again, the watchword became sensitivity. I mean, we even talked about it, Scott and I, like we've got to be sensitive to that. What's joyful for us might not be for them and sometimes vice versa because they might be really happy about something and we know it means we're going to have to see our ex or there's going to be some awkward confrontation and it's really interesting. So the why for me is sensitivity to the feelings of everyone and learning not to put on blinders to that. A happy day for me might not be a happy day for another member of my family. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that about you as a parent too. I think you're just, you are a sensitive parent. That's a great, great word, sensitive. I am a sensitive person too. So I think I'm just tender anyway. Yeah. But this, it still took some growth. It's, it's tricky if you want to be excited. How do you rein that in in a way that's courteous to other people who might not be? I mean, so thank you for the kind words, but I don't think I've always done great at this and I'm learning. I'm getting better. Growth mindset. Growth that's mindset. Right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. How about you? Well, like I said, I've got two. So the one, the why for my children is, you know, directly linked to my overarching why of mentally healthy and happy people. And that's kind of what I touched on earlier, that I think the more that I can help them piece together, why am I feeling this way? What's happening for me? Um, the more that I can help them make those connections, the better and healthier and you know more comfortable in their own skin and lives they're going to be in adulthood, being able to do that for themselves and set themselves up for success. Like, you know, if, if their May, for example, is a terrible thing and every May is hard, you know, maybe that's not the time to set yourself up for a giant presentation at work. (laughs) You know, like the more information you have to care for yourself and make good choices, the better you're going to just move through the world and be the most kind of comfortable, happy, mentally healthy and happy, right? So that's my why for them. But for me, the why is really around being able to have the sensitivity that you're talking about for my kids. Because I think oftentimes our kids, I've talked about this on the show before, but they show their feelings in these weird pockets. And you're like, you have to do the mental math of putting the two together. It's not always very clear or obvious. And so I'm a better parent when I can figure out, oh, I see what's happening here. Then I can be calm and sensitive because I understand it as opposed to going, why are you why are you behaving this way? Right. And feeling frustrated. It helps me as a parent have that future focused mentality and practice what you and I preach on this show all the time when I can put the puzzle pieces together. So absolutely. Those are the two whys on my end. I love that. And I love the way you linked it back to your overarching why. I think whenever we can have a small why come into that under that umbrella, we're just doing everyone a favor, which is great. So thanks for actually verbally saying that. I know you and I are always thinking about it, but it's nice to hear it out loud. And I'm sure it's helpful to the listeners too. Yeah. So before we dive into hows, I did want to just kind of share some scientific interesting information to our listeners as we talk about milestones, because not everyone knows this. And I think it's a really valuable piece of information. And that is that children regress on their half birthday and their birthday until they're like 18. (laughs) It just Mm. keeps going. And that is a powerful piece of information to have as we start to talk about milestones. Obviously, we're talking beyond just their birthdays. But in terms of the science behind how children develop, you are likely going to see regression or some kind of strangeness around their half birthday and around their birthday. And again, having that in the back of your mind is so helpful when your kid's bananas and you're like, what is happening here? The first thing Dave and I do is look at the calendar. (laughs) 
(laughs) Is it February? Is it August? Oh, it is. That's why we're seeing this. They're regressing, right? Or they're they're about to leap forward. And it happens because they're literally about to leap forward in independence because they're going to have a, a sort of internal growth spurt, as it were. And so there's a little bit of panic that kind of causes them to take a step back. And so having that information is just a first step in putting those puzzle pieces together to allow parents to go, oh, I can see what's happening here. That helps me understand what's going on for my kid. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we dive into house, because to me, that started for us like at six months, right? We were like, oh, it's the half birthday. Here we go. <laughs> so just from a you know chronological point of view, in terms of thinking from the very beginning, it's it's really empowering as a parent to have that information. I agree. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so before we dive into all the rest of the hows and we kind of start to dig deep into this topic, we are going to just take a quick break to tell you a little bit about something exciting that we wanted to share with you today, and then we will come back with lots and lots of hows. Future-focused parents, I just wanted to ask you, are you maybe in a great mom's group? Are you part of a co-op? preschool or a homeschooling organization? Do you know of an organization or sit on the board of an organization that you think could benefit from great parent education? If so, we just wanted to make you aware that Kira and I love speaking for organizations and sharing with groups of parents who might benefit from the ideas behind the future-focused parenting philosophy. We're able to speak to groups of nearly any size, and even during this unique time, we can still conduct speaking engagements remotely and we have been for about a year. We just love to be able to share with parents, impart some knowledge, help them move away from the presentation with some strategies and tools and tips that they can implement right away. So if you might be in charge of an organization like this, or if you know of someone who might benefit or a group that might benefit, we'd love to encourage you to have them reach out. It's super easy. Just visit our website, futurefocusedparenting.com, and you'll see a tab called Hire Us, and that has a drop down menu to public speaking right there. We would love to share with your group or organization and hope that you'll reach out to us soon. All right, Dina, let's do hows. Tell us your hows. You always have amazing hows. How do you navigate this with, especially with your blended family, but even outside of that, are there other ways that this crops up that has maybe don't pertain to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the piece of information that I'd want to share is a little bit adjacent to yours about regression. It's a kind of an information first and then some hows. And the information is that the research really shows that with milestones, emotions really crop up and those reminders crop up like I talked about at the top of the episode. And so we've got to be careful how we lean into or lean away from that. So just being aware of that is really the first step and knowing, okay, maybe you have a graduation coming up. All right. We need to be thinking about how are we going to navigate that? How can we make that comfortable for our children? Now, I'm speaking specifically in a blended family. We have things to think about like seating arrangements, especially if all parents are coming, if there are step parents involved, if both biological parents will be there. How amenable are you with the other bio parent? You know, can you sit by each other? Can you take pictures together? I mean, there's a lot of those things that come up. So those things are really important to think about in advance. That would be my biggest recommendation is if you see an event coming up, give yourself, I would say, two to four weeks to think about things like where people sit, how the menu works, who's going to 
beware and photos. I don't know why, but photos are a big deal. And one of the hardest moments so far in my whole blended family journey was being asked to take a photo of one of my stepchildren with both of their bio parents, because it looked to me like my husband was back together. Like it made them look like a couple, like with their kid. And I had no idea as I picked up the phone and looked through it, the feelings that would come from that. So I really encourage families, especially with unique family dynamics. If there's been a loss of a parent, if there's a remarriage, if you have some moving parts and different adults in the picture to just think about that and even prepare yourself maybe for the feelings that come up. Or do you want to be ready to have a designated camera person? hey, you know what? I want my kids to be able to ask for a picture with both of their parents. They need to be be able to ask for that. But maybe I don't want to be the one taking the picture. Could I ask one of the other aunts or uncles? Like, hey, can you be on picture duty? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, that, that seems like a small thing. But if you can take those few weeks in advance of the upcoming event and just think about those kind of details and hash them out, it really can save a lot of heartache and stress and maybe even some surprise challenging emotions because I know part of what made that hard was it also was a surprise to me that I felt like that and I didn't feel very equipped to deal with it and I hadn't thought about it in advance. So advanced prep is key in my mind. You mean being future focused? Yeah, I would say, (laughs) you know, I kind of like being future focused in general and I am once again advocating for that (laughs) scenario. It is such a good metaphor, though, for what we talk about that, like, yes, life's going to throw surprises your way, but boy, they're uncomfortable and we want you to be as as not surprised as possible. (laughs) I, I mean, I totally agree. And when we talk about, I mean, there's really kind of six components to our philosophy, but our top three pillars, one of them is take a proactive approach. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is being proactive. It's like, all right, what might come up that I can possibly eliminate? Can I get rid of it altogether? Or are there feelings that might come up that I could reduce by delegating that differently or arranging the chairs differently? If you can, why not take advantage of that ability Mm -hmm. to be future focused? Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What's a how that you might have to share? I think, you know, my biggest how is to ask yourself if you see either a milestone coming or if you're seeing behavior that you're like, this is different, is to ask yourself what else might be going on here and start to look at what's happening around you. So, you know, like I said, the first thing we do is look at the calendar. Um, And I think that's a great approach to have. Like if you're seeing something and you're like, what is this? Look at the calendar. Is it May? (laughs) You know, in our family, that's very telling if it's May or if it's February or if it's August, because those are those, you know, um, regression points. Or looking at, you know, did something happen recently that could be tied to something back here? Or, you know, for my kids, a lot of the grief is around the loss of my mom. So I think your picture example is like, it is amazing. We underestimate pictures, I think, and, and what they can bring up. But if we have family photos coming, that comes up for my kids that my mom's not in the photo, but my dad is, you know, so looking again at like where might some of these, you know, family things that we do cause feelings about other things that have happened that are traumatic or have caused grief. So I, I think I, I don't know if I'm articulating myself well, but the how I would say is stop and look around you and go, what day is it? What month is it? What happened in this month? Is there anything I'm missing? Is there a missing piece here to help you start to link those two things together? And then, of course, the follow-up how, especially with young kids, but olders too, is if you can make that link to help them get there. 
so that they can make that link too, right? Yes. Um, and that is, you know, a lot of the three E's and a lot of the sort of empathy and emotional intelligence coaching that we talk about all the time, you know, helping your kid recognize, hey, you know, I'm wondering if it's this you're really upset about or if actually there's something else going on here. And so I think particularly as we start to move, hopefully, please, out of the pandemic <laughs> someday, <laughs> looking at considering how milestones in the future or things in the future may come back to this milestone and also recognizing that this is a milestone. The grief is a milestone. The trauma is a milestone, right? So recognizing that, that we're also looking at things that happen that we're looking forward to and how they link to things in the past that are markers in time for us. So working with your kid to start to piece those puzzle pieces together. You know, so if, if for example, if it's May and, and my kids don't trigger in May the way that I do, but let's pretend for the sake of this conversation that they do, I might say something like, hey, you know, it's May. Do you remember anything that like what what happened in May? Oh, Bubby died. That's right. I wonder if the big feelings that you're having right now about, you know, your coloring book page getting ripped I wonder if that is a safe place for you to be putting some of the feelings that May brings up. What do you think? And having that conversation to help them maybe put puzzle pieces together that they may not have otherwise done. Yeah, that's so smart. And I really, really appreciate that you talked a little bit about how this, like the pandemic currently, is also a milestone. Because again, like I said at the top, we we often associate it with just like happy things, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But A... A happy thing to one person isn't necessarily for another, as I mentioned. And sometimes big milestones are trauma incidents. They aren't happy things. And so that's really important. I'm thankful that you highlighted it. So it's actually great because here's my other how. <laughs> my other how I think can work for any family. It just becomes extra important in, in a blend is paying attention to how can the milestone be meaningful to everyone. Mm. Is there a way to grab a little joy for everyone so that it isn't like super happy for these few people and super hard for these other people? And I think that can be true in any family, especially because we see it often with siblings. You might notice that when one of your children has a birthday, the other one's kind of a stinker because mm -hmm. like the day isn't about them. I mean, this doesn't happen in your house with twins, <laughs> but it, it, that is a very common scenario yeah. where a day that isn't about me is hard to watch and then be happy for the person whose day it is about, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think if we can work as families to even speak with each member and say, how can this day be great for you? What could I do? How could I serve you? Because another one is sometimes how can I make this day less hard? Like I know for my kids, we're past this now largely, but Mother's Day and Father's Day were really hard mm. at school because they had to make two of everything because they also had a stepmom and a mm -hmm. stepdad and that just made them stand out. And as we know, most kids aren't really looking to stand out extra <laughs> during their school years. Right. It's already hard and we kind of want to fit in. And so I could ask them, you know, how could I make Mother's Day better for you? How could I make Father's Day easier for you this year? Are there things I could do? Mm -hmm. And there were even a few years where, especially at our church, they just opted out and sat with us. 
they just didn't want to go to Sunday school and like explain again. And like you get tired of telling the story. Mm -hmm. And I think that can happen with all kinds of scenarios, whether you've had a trauma or a loss or even something great, but it makes something noticeable about you. And you tell the story over and over. We get really weary of that. Mm -hmm. And it can go a long way to ask, how can I make this day work for you? Whether that's making it less hard or making it more great. <laughs> so that's another suggestion I have. I really do think that works in all families. It just becomes extra important in a blend because in an, for us, like our anniversary, we call it the family versary because we want to be clear to our kids. We didn't just become a couple in a new way that day. We became a family. So when that time rolls around, we try as much as possible to celebrate as a group and let them feel in on that party. It's also why they were our wedding party. We did not have bridesmaids. We did not have groomsmen. We had our children stand up with us. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really powerful and set a great tone. That being said, all five of our kids still cried on our wedding day. Yeah. And that's hard. And that's a real thing that happened. So we have to, we have to be respectful of all the things that that brought up because that was the nail in the coffin. Essentially that day it is official. My parents aren't getting back together. So it's really thinking about those things. And so I would encourage families when there's an event coming, if you know, even if it's as simple as that example I gave, that might seem small, but a sibling who isn't loving that it's someone else's birthday. Hey, what can I do to serve you today? How can mm-hmm. I make this day better for you, but still honor your brother or honor your sister? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not really a big advocate of like, also get them a present. Like, I think yeah. we need to learn to celebrate other people, but it doesn't mean we stomp on the feelings around it. Right. And right? I think there is a line there. And I think we can still honor, like, I get it. It's hard to watch sister open all these gifts and have the day be all about her. Like, what can I do for you today? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it, it's not meant to be patronizing or condescending. It's about loving each other well. And I think this is one way we can really love our family members. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stop. I know I've rambled on, but I just, yeah. it's, it, it almost in my mind can't be overstated, but maybe because I've dealt with it in such stark relief in yeah. the situation we're in, but yeah. No, I, th- I think that's I think that's really smart. And I think your example about the siblings and the birthday is, is right in line with what we say all the time. You're still setting the boundary that like, no, I'm not going to get you a gift because it's your brother's birthday, but I am going to acknowledge your feelings about it and make sure that we're doing what we need to do to nurture those feelings, which is exactly. what you and I talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that I kind of want to make sure that we talk about is I know a lot of parents are thinking about and asking, you know, what are we going to do on the other side of this <laughs> pandemic? And, and I think that really links to what we're saying here is thinking about how is my child maybe going to get triggered on the other side back to what was happening here. And so the one thing I would say about that is to maybe give some thought to where were the milestones in COVID that were hard? Where were they? Did did they, I mean, almost every kid, in fact, every kid probably missed a birthday party, right? Or a birthday mm-hmm. celebration. So thinking about the first birthday that happens where they can have their friends come. Are there going to be feelings that come from that, actually? Or maybe you had a kid who was old enough for a party in COVID, and now on the other side of that, maybe they don't want a party, but they have feelings about that. Like, oh, I'm I'm too cool for a party now, and I missed my last chance at a party, right? That's a great example of how a milestone may trigger what happened in the past. Or is there maybe, like I know in our family, you know, we missed a trip to go see Dave's family. We haven't seen them in two years. You know, what's it going to be like when we do go? And I think especially if people have had losses and now we've got a graduation, but someone's not there. 
because of COVID or whatever. So looking at and starting to give some thought to right now, where are the milestones in COVID for my kiddo that I'm going to need to have a little bit of a heightened awareness of when we get to the other side of this? Yeah. Two more that I think are worth mentioning because I agree with this. So I'm going to piggyback. Mm. I want you parents out there to be able to think about this. One is going back to school. There is starting to be a better chance that people will go to school in the fall. And some people are slowly going into school now, even though we could see that as really positive. I'm sure there are a lot of feelings around it. And kids might even wonder, is this actually safe? I've been told it's not for almost a year. Right. So I think back to school is one to watch for. Can I just say something about that really quick? So (laughs) my, I have, you know, these twins who are mm, a little different and I have one who like cannot wait to go back to school. And the other one who's like, if we have to be masked in six feet, no way, I don't want to go. That's not school to me. Mm -hmm. And that too, right. Of looking at what, what are they going back to and how do they feel about that milestone looking different than past milestones? Mm -hmm. And, oh, it's just so complicated. Anyway, I'm glad you brought it up because that is a, that is a big one. And also please, oh, please let them go back to school in the fall. (laughs) (laughs) Also, can I just put in my vote? (laughs) Um, Another one is we might have sad things to do that got put off. Mm. A lot of people lost someone and could not have a funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of our kids maybe wouldn't have even understood that at the time, but are going to be old enough yeah. to understand now or have to go to a service for a for a family member or a friend. And it can feel like a lot if you're like, wow, I couldn't do any of this for a year. And now I had to go to three memorial services in the span of two months or whatever. Ooh. So I know with my kids who are older, we've talked about that because we've we've lost some people during this time and haven't been able to do anything about it. And then it's like are, they've we've been asking, like, are we going to have to, like, quote, catch up and go to mm-hmm. all these hard things? Like, so I don't know. I think as as future focused parents, we have to look at that. We may have to decide how that affects our RSVPs to things. Mm-hmm. But also the feelings that come around that, because we haven't been able to celebrate our highs, but we also haven't been able to mark some of the hard milestones and those might catch up to us, so to speak. And there's going to be some things to pay attention to there. Well said, Dina. Well said. So I do have a quote today. And interestingly, this episode, Kira and I are never afraid to share our reel with you. And this episode morphed over time. Mm-hmm. We were originally going to more highlight the the blended family aspect and then realize there was a lot more here. So I just want to be upfront that the quote is going to mention step parents and step families. But what I think is so important to remember is that all families have messy parts and this quote speaks to the mess. <laughs> so I just want to, and you know what? Grief is also messy and yes, sometimes so are milestones. So I hope you will take it in that spirit, but I am being forthright that the quote was chosen when we thought this would be more of a blended family episode. So here you go. This quote is from Totally Jessifiable. Jess, like J-E-S-S. Isn't that fun? Totally Jessifiable. <laughs> All right. Step family recipe. Mix two families or your, you know, insert your own family here. Combine pain disappointment, heartbreak, anger, frustration, and abandonment in one bowl. Combine love, patience, understanding, more patience, listening, more love, and endurance in another bowl. Blend without lid and live every day with what's splattered all around you with a smile. (laughs) 
Uh, it is I my hope so for you yeah. all in our audience, future focused parents, that you can live with what's splattered all around you. But here's my other hope is that by being future focused, you can either prevent some of the messes or contain the ones that do happen. And that truly is my hope for you. But I will tell you, living in a blended family, it is often a hot mess full of all the feels, love, frustration, anger, joy. And you do have to just kind of go with it. And grief and milestones are kind of the same way. We can prepare the best we can, but we also have to know some things might come up that are messy. Yeah. And I would, I would say the splatter, like my wish on top of all of that is that people can look at the splatter and at least understand why it's there. Yes. Right. And go, oh, that makes sense to me. (laughs) That splatter on the wall, that makes sense. That mess makes sense. Well, future-focused parents, our wonderful listeners, thank you for being with us today and engaging in this conversation. And we just, I just have to say, I don't know, I'm feeling some love today. Like, just so grateful. We have such an amazing following. This week, we heard from quite a few listeners that we just had no idea we're listening to the show in countries all over the world. And like, we can't even begin to tell you what that means to us and how that fills up our hearts to just know that we're putting this stuff out there and people are listening to it. (laughs) So thank you, thank you, thank you for your engagement and for connecting with us. And special shout out, thank you to our members who we get to engage with in a whole other way. And do remember if you know of an organization, a school, a parent group that could benefit from some parent education or might like to have Kira and I come in and speak, we would love to share with your group and we can talk on any number of topics from discipline to sibling relationships to emotional intelligence to parenting on the same page. And we just really enjoy that. So we encourage you to check it out if that might be of interest. It's on our website, futurefocusedparenting.com and click on the Hire Us tab and you'll see public speaking there. Thanks so much for being with us today and we look forward to being back with you next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in my laundry room and partially in Dina's coat closet. Editing by Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hanalee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>